Along came Polly. Do you love that movie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Iceman! <coughs> uh, your best life now, King Lee fucked off. I mean, King Lee fucked off, like, but it's, like, very fucked off. <laughs> and, and Mr. Lewis. <laughs> yeah, well, we know how to cover that ground pretty well. This is a... <laughs> <laughs> Dave, how are you living your best life right now? I'm just playing it as it lays. Where does it lay? Uh, we're undetermined. Waiting, we're, we're waiting to find um, out. N- no, it's on the green, on the fairway. It's on the fairway. Mm-hmm. Are you sure about that? Mm-hmm. If you play it from the fairway, that's your best life now. Yeah. Yeah. It Is feels like a, a relinquishing of really trying to sort it all out. Yeah, because your best life now isn't your best life in the past or future. My best life now is my personal life in the present, yeah. And uh, I've, I think a big piece of uh, my best life now or your best life now directed at me, if someone was to ask me, like you're asking, what's your best life now like, is that I have got to stop trying to sort it all out past present and future you're you're you gotta stop trying to play it before it lays i gotta yeah and i gotta stop going back we've been to old playbooks trying to sort out where it went wrong that's a a big you've been watching the game tapes and and you're not liking what you see you're doing you're doing lessons learned lessons learned (laughs) root cause analysis analysis. like doing lots of lots and lots and lots of hours risk mitigation plan in the locker room watching old um, game tapes is not helpful but also like strangling myself in a future oriented way is also not helpful it's not your best life now it's fucked it's my fucked life now <laughs> and as i've talked about you yeah it's like you, your, and your, I legs, have, your legs are outstretched and you and you've got one way in the with future, his arms outstretched it's like you've you're leaning like you are in that slender man photo where a part of you is way and in I've, the future and, and i've put on some past. weight over the last year and i think that uh, tell me about it i think that slender man um i mean you're still slender man yeah I think Slender Man, though, emaciated man boy, um, is not my best life now. No, it's not. What is your best life now? My best life now is... It, I, my best life now is like an inward focus. Is, is definitely If I'm like going to speak in all honesty and uh, earnestness, uh, <clears throat> it's definitely one of like kind of focusing on some big um, realizations and changes. Um, like, uh, uh, for instance, um, like, uh, here's an example of my best life now. If I'm guessing if I asked any of y'all to answer this question or if I a- asked any of my closest friends, they would all kind of be in agreement, which wasn't really something that I was able to recognize until really the last six or eight months. But I've come in, and here we go, get a little serious. I've come into a realization that I was, like, not parented at all. And this is, like, a very big thing to me. Um, I just wasn't. I was like, I moved out at 15 or 16 and largely before that a guy named the Skipper kind of parented me, completely removed from my mom's life pretty early on uh, and as a result I've kind of... The Skipper. The Skipper. Ron Kinsland. What's his deal? He's... No. Um, And I think the thing that I have realized and I've talked to some of y'all about is like there's been this kind of I'm a wet dog running on a linoleum floor desperate attempt to provide some safety to myself. You know, be safe and secure. You're mm-hmm. n- you're not getting any traction with those claws. On, yeah, on the linoleum. I'm getting slip nowhere. And sli- sliding. Yeah, yeah, I'm slipping and sliding and falling flat on my fucking. You know, you're doing the wily coyote little nose where your legs on my are little just dog and dick. You're you going know, nowhere. My little dog dick on your little red rocket. <laughs> my little red rocket dog dick is your. It's red it's it's not your best life. now. It's not my best life now. Your best life is <laughs> and not there's just when been you're, like when you're this, crashing onto like, your red rocket. It, it's kind of embarrassing and like regretful to look back and be like, man, I've like just fucking just tried to control and make all these concessions and manage and fucking build this fucking house of cards to like feel safe and okay and then like that all comes tumbling down and i feel less safe and okay and so my best life now is a realization that like oh i can parent myself i can nurture myself i can take care of myself i can be the person that i need to be without all of these contingencies and concessions that have been made or i fearfully think that i need to make 
So, so that's best life now. I can relate to that so much. And it's like best life perpetual, if you can pull that off. Because like, I wouldn't consider myself to have been parented. I think I alluded uh, at some point yesterday to the fact that I don't think I was on purpose. I think yeah. it was a whoops for the parents. Oh, and yeah. um which is fine, uh, but you know, there's all sorts of different ways to react to that situation. I just don't think the response and the reaction uh, resulted in me having parents. Um, I would like to have parents, uh, which is why I'm still like semi in contact with my parents uh, infrequently. But I just am told so often, uh, don't be so hard on yourself and don't try to do it all by yourself. And in my head, I'm just like, what do you mean? Who else is going to do it? You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> exactly and, right. Yeah, and it's just like. Uh, well, actually, a lot of people can help you out with that. And, um, man, it's not my best life now when I don't live in this in that truth and reality. Right, right, right. It's my best, it's my uh, f- f- fucked die now. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm fucked and die. It's Red Rocket dick on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a slip and slide, uh, just pathetic wet dog. Um, because you can't, because if you try to do it all yourself, there's just a, such a precipitous drop in effect and ability at yeah. some point because you just have uh, fucked your life so now. And and for <laughs> all those listening, like... I fucked my life so now. <laughs> for all those listening, like, you know what we're talking about because you can envision, like, the just shittiest little pathetic dog you've ever seen. And, like, Splinter dog. Splinter dog, yeah. Like, yeah. Just looks like a fucking ninja Splinter. rat. A fucking loser. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just is some. Just is somehow. Just a dog that's somehow incredibly wet and greasy, but also wiry and dry simultaneously. Yeah. And it's awesome. Just smells like you know shit. how you know um, how dark yeah. it is before the dawn. You know, kind I of met a dog like this. Right we now. are not helpless. Yeah, we are not helpless. Uh, I uh, this so this whole realization came because I was shot at. And uh, my immediate reaction in the three to four months after that was that, like, I'm just simply not bothered anymore. Nothing bothers me. The world thought Dave needed more trauma. And it was, like, really weird, you know, like this, like, oh, that insecurity that I always have actually just doesn't bother me anymore. And being overly worked doesn't bother me. And all the people who have passed away that doesn't bother me and nothing bothers me anymore and then i just had a like a worldwide world-renowned whirlwind kaplow emotionally where it was like oh no it was I'm extremely <laughs> i'm extremely bothered it's infamous kablam. and out of that shot heard around the world it was the shot heard around the world <laughs> it was the drop heard around the world yeah it was the kaplow heard around the world <laughs> you know it was fucking it was a the solar atom- system wide kaplow it was like the nuclear test scene in episode eight of the return yeah yeah, but Boom. this led to Ka-blammy. a clearer <laughs> vision for my best life now. Yes, God. You know, so it came full circle. Fucking you know, love it, dude. I out definitely of the ashes. Out of the ashes. Best life now. My boss was like, best "You need to go. You can't be at work." Uh, and out of the ashes, uh, he has risen for me. A rose of phoenix. And it's not a best life later. <laughs> phoenix Nielsen. It's right in the moment. <laughs> it's right in the moment. It's a best life now. David Phoenix Nielsen is in the mix. Uh, yeah, I'm a phoenix. <laughs> Would you say that you chose to be happy? You I'm, made the decision? I, uh, did, did you, was more the than decision any, made for you? More than any time in my life that I can remember, I'm choosing to be happy. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's like a... Did you discover you know, the power of your thoughts and words? I have some understanding of yeah. the power of my thoughts and words. It's tight. And you, I'm choosing wisely. Would you say Joel Austin is a guiding light for you? I, I mean, has been. Is he going to cancel your student debt? <laughs> That's a hope, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so have you been insisting... So would you say previously you were insisting on having a good time? Was there a lot of insistence on the I'm okay, <laughs> I, I'm fine, I insist on yeah. having a good time? Yeah, we were trying to play it before it lay, I think. I was trying in to the, play it in the insistence. I was trying to force like uh, something for sure. There's multiple mulligans? Is that what, that's what it was like? Mulligan. Yeah. Um, Mulligan. I think it was like actually just like... Uh, like, I think it probably could have been, like, a lot better and easier if I wasn't, like, desperately trying to avoid what was not good or easy in the moment. Like, maybe I could have shot out the other side sooner, you know? Uh, but Kablam that is not what happened. Hey, uh, I don't want, but you, there to was be, layers, I don't want right? you to be blaming yourself it's like, here, though. You know, it would be like I would fall off this cliff of 40 feet and just, like, shatter my shoulder on the ground and get up and... <laughs> You know, like fucking. You're the old man in midsummer, and then I would go to the next cliff, 
and somewhere from where I landed to the drop on the next cliff, like there was some good times. Like it was tight. And then I would invariably like hurl myself off the next cliff and like fucking shatter my collarbone. Well, the, you know? this is the thing about he- heaving <laughs> your, your body off of a cliff is that there's a, a momentary period where you're floating through midair. Look, and I it have, feels like you might be able to fly. And I have a chronicle. out the landing yeah. and then kablammo. You spread the wings like they're going to do something for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, the, the, I mentioned this at some point, but years ago when we recorded a pod about losing it and you talked about your process for going through a losing it process, the identical thing happens with this meltdown that you had. Like, all the different aspects of the meltdowns that you've described, it was the same thing. Yes. Which, yeah, which is a beautiful level of consistency. So, yeah, and it was different at the age of 30. Sebastian and I were coming back from recording the last weekend of April, and it happened on the drive home. And then it proceeded to take place over the next four or five days. He was with me. She was listening. And it all began. The electric field and all the whole deal. Um, but what oh, was yeah. different... You were getting zapped. But what was different this time was the, like, sound the alarms of my entire social circle. Like, get everyone, like, let everyone know, you know, ring the bell in the town at night kind of deal. I remember, was that when you hit us with, like, those many long texts in the, in the boys' thread? Talking about where you were, where you'd been, and oh, where yeah. you were at. Yeah, which was like days after like it being really, really rough and bad, and like that was a notable. Dave was in the bell tower. That was a notable. That was a just, just slamming those yeah. bells. That was a yeah. notable difference. That it wasn't like, oh, I got to go land on Ao's couch, or I got to go land on Brady's couch, or I got to go like become a puddle somewhere. So like that was super encouraging um, and was in alignment with what it is that I'm looking for in cultivating my best life now. It was a really thoughtful series of texts that, uh, that were clearly uh, uh, conscientiously communicated. You weren't like coming in the door, fucking dragging that wet dick. Yeah, like no. you were just saying, you didn't need to crash on the couch. You just were going to articulate in a very coherent way. Like uh, this is not my best life right now, Yeah, uh, but it, it worked out. I do, I do want to know what that ride from band practice was like. No, so this was separate. We were all leaving recording in Anacortes. Oh, excuse me. And I drove alone, and my girlfriend was like, hey, uh, give me a call when you leave. And I said, great. And, you know, there's I-10 out to I-5 or something like this. And I was on I-10 or Highway 10 or whatever it is, and I called. And it was just this, like, pretty silly interaction where I they asked me what my experience was with recording, and I was pumped. You know, I was excited, and I'm telling them. And then they were like, cool, anyways, here's what's up with me. And they, they like, just, like, you know, shit, shit on me, uh, which I found out later was intentional because I had been a brutal, psychopathic nightmare the day before on the phone. And so it was, like, a tit-for-tat deal. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, it kind of caught me off guard. And I was like, hey, I'm getting on the five, so I'll, I'll let you go. And I'll see you, you know, next couple of days. And I'm like in LaConnor or something way up north. And I start having this like, that didn't bother me. She doesn't bother me. Our whole thing doesn't bother me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing really bothers me. And like keeping in mind that like for the months before, I'm having these like daily intrusive visions of getting hit by a car, getting shot, getting killed and crashing my car and dying. And it's every single day. And, and I'm like, yeah, I've been thinking that way and that doesn't bother me. And I just like for the next two hours on the road was just like, none of this stuff bothers me anymore. It just doesn't bother me. I'm just not bothered. I've been through it all, you know, kind of deal. And then somewhere on that ride or getting back, dropping the gear off, I was like, wait, what? I'm bothered. I'm very bothered. (laughs) I'm like very not okay. I'm thinking about dying every fucking day. You're driving Uh, towards oncoming traffic and you're like, if I just twisted the wheel just three degrees. It wouldn't bother me. (laughs) And then then it just like, over the next two or three days, like just completely devoured me Mm -hmm. whole and took a leave of absence from work and was having panic attacks and the electric field turned on and the whole deal happened. Did you see any of this through the keyhole? No, I was driving on my own. Yeah. Well, I mean, prior to that, or was it all? No, I mean, it was all, we're we're fairly focused in Mm -hmm. the studio, so there was no real indication. I mean, I'm fairly sensitive to David's vibe most of the time, but I think it it all kind of happened within a moment of clarity or conversation between you and your partner on the way home. 
Well, and I think also like I hadn't been bothered I, because I, I'd like I'd kind of been Johnny on the spot, cool, calm, and collected for the months leading up to that moment from when I got shot at. So like, turns no one, out the spot was like four no miles one knew away. no one knew where I was at or what I was on. Like I'm a part of this like kind of accountability group, and they were all like saying things like, "Wow, David, you really kind of turned a new page, turned a new leaf." Like you had him fooled. They were kind of a, like a little bit stumped by some of the things that I'd been saying or reflecting right, yeah. in the months before of like, yeah, I'm, I'm Jojo Bishopin it, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, um, I'm constantly showcasing it. Like I'm, I'm cool. Uh, and then it like all came down and they're like, yeah, we thought that was a little weird because it was essentially just like an entirely different constitutional persona that you had somehow developed. Um, Never a good sign. Which is not a good sign, but I think was like, here's the way that I can make myself feel completely safe and protected after getting shot at and then going back to do trauma therapy with people, you know, so. Totally so fair. that being the case, um, that's a bad life at the moment. That was a bad life at the moment. And, uh, thank God it happened because I was brought into abundance and, uh, re, uh, I refound myself and, uh, and then you got baptized in the deserts of the Southwest. And I've just got back from being baptized in the deserts of the Southwest with AB and, um, you know, like a, a dream of mine has been to shoot some specific stuff in White Sands and got to do that. And we're living our best life now. We ran through the dunes naked. I got I mean, naked not, in not White together, Sands but... and I, I put my testicles in the cold white sand as the sun was setting down. And AB got completely naked and started sprinting through the sand. It's, so it's <laughs> yeah. that you wide see that open? big body it's, running through the sand? When I tell you that this thing is wide open, I it's indescribably wide open. That's so tight. How do I you mean, get you around? Do you walk? You yeah. walk. Yeah, you you got to like, you, you can park. Walk There's a lot of different parking areas maze-like kind of national park parking system and then you can get out but the white sand there's no road it's just the white sand has been pushed aside so that you can drive yeah they've carved the out right because yeah. then you have to get up you it have looks to like walk a snow up, plow like and then you're on through. top of the sand and it's just dune like mm-hmm. and if you go far enough you're fucking out there and there's no indication that it's gonna stop yeah that's like, so fucking tight you can go now if we all went I would recommend we don't go in the heat of summer because it's pretty overwhelming until was, the sun drops. It was scorching. It's 95. And also, because you're surrounded by white sand and the sun is bouncing off of it, it's like you get out of the car when you first get there and you're just like, God, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like, it like hurts your eyes. Um, is that your best life at that moment? No, no. We had to get acclimated, you know. You eventually uh, adjust to it, but it takes like, I don't know, it took me like an hour or so. Um, and I thankfully had some sunglasses that I could throw on in the meantime to to uh, curb the transition. But yeah, it was really intense. You, should we get Jimmy Boy? And a good day to you, sir. Should I answer? Sure. Hey, Dad. Get it on uh, speaker. Get it on speaker. Hold on a second, Dad. And Helen died All right, so what just happened? Dave, we need you here. Come back. You, we, need, we need you on the spot. Wait, all right, so what just happened? Um, <laughs> I uh, got a phone call from my father informing me that my Aunt Helen passed away last night, and it's on the record. <sighs> so tell us about Aunt Helen. Um, Annie Helen, a living legend in the family. Uh, uh, Your b- dad's sister? No. So... My dad has two sisters, Joni, a.k.a. Ponsky, and Marianne, and his brother, Tommy, who died in 91 or 92. Then he's got his cousins, and there's like seven of them. There's Mary, Big Bear, Pat, who passed away, who was business owners with my father, and Tommy. So the Nielsen brothers is just the Nielsen father business now. Uh, yeah, uh, John, Frank, Pat, Helen, Mary, Liz, Katie are my dad's cousins. So they're like my other aunts and uncles. They got a big family. And Aunt Helen was one of the oldest, was one of the oldest of that crew. Big age differences. Lizzie being the youngest, Helen or Katie being the oldest. 
Annie Helen. Um, and so that side of the family, our side of the family owned like four, three, four or five different businesses in Ballard, um, you know, since the forever, you know, Nielsen Brothers has been around since like 46 or 47. And there's just been all these different businesses. Annie Helen um, owned the Cobblestone Salon, which was on the corner of Ballard Avenue and Market. And it was like a institution wow. salon for many years. She was smoking indoor heaters in there. Even after the ban, I'd go in there and she'd be having hate heaters. You know, she didn't give a fuck. And uh, she was her best life. She was living her best life. I have really fond memories of playing uh, card games with Annie Helen and Annie Frankie, who died uh, when I was in elementary school, um, hell long ago um, in Hood Canal. And they'd be smoking heaters and having big martinis, and we'd be listening to Simon and Garfunkel and Bowie. Uh, really loud Fuck and yeah. they were just swearing like sailors and had hearts of fucking pure gold and love and uh, Annie so Helen lived a big life and she's loved. living her best life then. she didn't have kids she never was married she just like loved people though and I think she was like you know like your stylist or your barista or whoever like in the little local community before Ballard got like super like half cowboy half tech industry blown out um, when I grew up in Ballard, it was like this kind of Norwegian Scandinavian neighborhood, uh, that was all built on fishing. And that's how I remember it as a child. And Annie Helen and the cobblestone salon was just an institution. Is that where you got your haircut? Um, my Annie Helen, little, I think cut my hair Dave when was I was a child. On. And then when my folks got divorced, I got, I started getting my haircut on 15th Northwest and probably... Uh, 65th or 70th. There's a little spot right A little there. further north. Just a little bit further north, across, across the way from the Ballard Market and, and kind of around, right, what used to be Zesto's. What is the Cobblestone Salon now in Ballard? Um, the Cobblestone Salon now... Blackbird. Uh, no, uh, don't it yourself. It, it might be like a restaurant. It might be a restaurant now. Out. I think that the front face, like the mezzanine space and stuff like that, kind of still looks similar. Uh, is that where the sunset is. So, <laughs> it, so come, come, uh, come with me. Come picture, if you will. Come yeah. northwest up. Close your eyes. Ballard Avenue, right towards Market. Yeah. And then you take a left on Market, like you're going to Golden Gardens. And it's like two businesses down right there, right on the corner of like where mm. Ballard. Oh, and Shilshul meet? No, 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 no. Because Ballard Avenue comes out to Market, and there's yeah. like kind of a little plaza there yeah, you can yeah. sit. Uh -huh. It's right in that plaza. Oh, like Matador. Right around. Used to be there. Across. With yeah. the big mushroom. Oh, there's sculptures. like an Indian food restaurant. It's right next door to the Indian restaurant. Oh, okay. Is what the cobblestone salon was. So, uh, wow, it's right there. So, and then what did her best life turn into? Like, did she, she did she, right so now. did she work there right up until, what was she doing recently, um, last year or two? From what I understand, I hadn't seen Annie Helen in a long time. She, she was a real heavy smoker, heavy drinker. Everyone in my family historically has been a real heavy smoker, heavy drinker. Uh, and, uh, how Norwegian was she? Both, uh, both. She was not. So the Norwegian, the, my, that side of my family is Danish and Irish. Okay. Um, and I don't know what Niels. their... Yeah, and then my mom's side was like, you know, cold-heartedly, cold-bloodedly Norwegian. Forsmos, the Forsmos. That's a, yeah, that's such a tight name. Yeah. Uh, my, my grandfather, his name was Gunnar Forsmo. Um, you and, had to be a tough son of a bitch to and live so back then. And so what was Annie Helen doing? <laughs> uh, my understanding is that Annie Helen, um, the last, you know, however many years has really had a lot of health issues, um, was living up off of Aurora, maybe 130th, 135th in Aurora. There's kind of like a, a trailer community was living in and around there um, and kind of just, you know, keeping it pretty close to the family and, and uh, you know, uh, had some bouts with some health issues at Northwest Hospital right there. Uh, and so that was kind of my understanding of what was going on. Well... God bless. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. Shouts right out to here. Yeah. May, may she find her Annie best Allen. life now above heaven. That was a great, that out, was a great elegy. She seems like a f really I have nothing, top tier homie. I have nothing member. but classic cosmopolitan, uh, um, um, classic. Cosmopolitan. Uh, cosmopolitan, beautiful, loving memories of Anne Helen. Was she doing Sinatra's at all? 
I mean, she was a total Sinatra babe, you know, like she was doing big band martinis and rippers. Like at least that's the, 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 the memory I have. Wait, we'll stick with that. Was she doing Mario Lanzo? You think? Corre, corre, (laughs) corre ingrato. Oh yeah, yeah. we were doing like Mario Alonzo yesterday. <laughs> we we're getting real fucking zooted on some Mario Alonzo. Yeah. At one point, Dave was like, "All right, that's, she goes, that's she enough," goes, and put on like some fucking bleaker. She, she goes, and he's like, and we're just. <sighs> she whispers in her ear. She goes, "What does Corin Ingrato mean?" And she just goes, "Ungrateful heart." It's an unbelievable scene. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was like a hunter bow and arrow to the heart of Dave when he heard that. <laughs> he was like, oh, oh. And then he, what, he tried God. to put on a drone and you... And he you put on a it. drone and I was like, what are we doing here? Let's get back to Mario. And he was like, it's too much. And I was like, no, it's not. Mario and, then, and then Dave was really like, you're right. This is the only time in his life he's ever admitted that I was right about something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It feels again. good. Yeah, that so, was the best yeah, life. I'm trying to ride this wave. Okay. For our listeners, you know, shouts out Annie Helen, shouts out Ballard Avenue, shouts out Nielsen's, shouts out Cobblestone, North End, shouts out Living Your Best Cosmopolitan Life, shouts out Big Rippers, Martinis, shouts out. End. And the North End. Thank you. Yeah. I'm I'm living my best life just being here right now. Awesome. Love it so much. Uh, Y'all have really in in particular you two have really been in alignment on this on this episode. I just wanted to like point that out, you know. You guys are really fucking in alignment. I wouldn't wouldn't want to be anywhere else to find out about yet another Nielsen passing. (sighs) Baby, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else uh while you found that out either. Thank you. I'm gonna give you a big hug once I'm off this. Once I'm not pinned to this couch, ship it. Mm. Man, so yeah, I need a nap. Let's. Uh, how are you boys living your best lives? I want to pitch it to Seb. I'm yeah, interested. Honestly. Let's hear about but, it. Um, it's got to start with the hair. Yeah, I'm going back to dyeing my hair. Um, could be. I mean, I dyed my hair. I was, you know, a little punk rocker kid in high school. Uh, and then, like, I don't know, thought that maybe I should clean it up or, like, I had these tattoos. But ultimately, I, like, changed career paths. So I was like, maybe I need to, like, kind of dial some of this alternativeness back um, because that's what I was told. And so part of living my best life, uh, part of it is just being unapologetically me appearance-wise and still delivering yeah you're trying to you're trying to have a career but also live the boheme dream yeah well i mean i wouldn't maybe i'm just can never escape bohemian but i wouldn't say dyed hair is bohemian uh but it is definitely like still alternative no but it's it's kind of like your you know particular take on the boheme dream turns out like you're incorporating non-bohemian things into the realm Turns yeah. out uh, people really dig it. Turns out people really dig my vibe, even in the <laughs> business world. And so that is part of me living my best life right now is like being unapologetically me, even at work where it can feel like a little stiff or dry or, um, you know, whatever. You're, so trying, to lo- really you're trying to loosen up the pipelines. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to bring more into the pipeline. You should have seen the fucking best lives I was living earlier when we were uh, took the elevator up here, and the dude in the lobby saw Seb come through with the skateboard, and he was just like, he was just like, oh, you, is there is there good skating around here? It was just the most real, recognized, real, unapologetically wow. Seb living his best life now, and that homie getting a taste of it. Yeah. This homie saw Seb and was like, I need to converse immediately. With this homie, almost immediately. That's yeah. tight. That doesn't happen as much in Seattle as a lot of other places too so it's tight when it does well uh, this dude was not from Seattle and was coming from Mexico City Oh, that's and tight. Oh, that's why you're not Mexican, that. but like by way of Manhattan. So he had a different vibe. Yeah. He wanted yeah. to chat. He wanted to kind of like poke around. I could tell he was scoping us last night. He too. saw our best life. Yeah. Oh, that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Whatever. Yeah. He had he had the tats for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's me. I'm really stoked on that aspect because uh, I just am. Um, always feeling more alternative and less like (laughs) cookie cutter and uh you know growing up and being told that like you have to fit a mold in order to get a certain thing out of life or like you got to straighten up at some point or whatever and being able to um fuck all that off 
you know, and be myself. So that's one thing. So the hair kind of is like a statement there. Show enough. Show enough. Uh, Show also enough. You being, got glorious mustache too. Yeah, mustache. Your nips are looking good. Thank you. Writing songs. Writing guitar, songs. Yeah, like just like being a musician singing. and continuing to like play music and do all of that. Doing everything that, like having that realization, maybe it was like post 30 realization that I could do, I could create my own ending. Like, I don't need to, like, fall into this Are you narrative. thinking about the end? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is it more like I could just create my own narrative no, like, experience? No, like, like Goosebump style, you know, like, choose your own ending, whatever. Like, oh, there was, like, way more autonomy. You mean your adventure, choose but, your yeah, own yeah, adventure. But there's a lot yeah, yeah, yeah. in between now and the ending. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can people, choose it all. People die all the time. People die all the time. Case in point, Andy yeah. Yeah. shouts out, yeah, shouts, shouts out, shouts out, shouts out. Uh, on a more emotional front, uh, I am dating somebody who is uh, always shining my misogyny in my face, which at first was like a really tough thing to swallow. Um, and then I started to really recognize it, not only in myself, but just out in the world. I'd studied like how the patriarchy had affected, has affected, um, you know, our world and in the West. And like from a conceptual standpoint, wrote essays about it, you know, like the psychological perspective and how misogyny is just like ruling and just terrible and whatever. But it wasn't until like I came face to face with some of that, especially like living with such a strong woman that like I started to really realize how resistant I was to some of the changes that she was requesting for me to make or at least take a look at. And uh, you're, you're in a movie that has a strong female lead right now. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And as like a as somebody who likes to be like up front and like in on stage all the time and performing, uh, so to speak, like kind of taking a back seat and allowing somebody else to have some of that light or also just like learn how to coordinate and uh, like work with that has been really interesting. Um, but it's really opened my eyes up, especially in conflict, uh, like where I go to like shut things down or like, uh, like maneuver and control with some of my like, uh, more like eloquent and articulated like ways of speaking and kind of playing mind games and all of that, like is being like shown back in my face on around, like, where's the emotion in this, you know, like where are you, where are you at emotionally? And like, can we get to that place? And just like having that that be at the forefront of almost every moment with her has like allowed me to live my best life right because that's wow. like that's like a chapter for me is like you know you can think about it conceptually you can think about it psychologically you can help people with that men or whatever but like when you have to do the work it's much harder but like it yields so much more of a connection, not only with her, but like to the, like, I feel like I'm more sensitive to just like women's struggles and not just women, but just people's struggles in general and like how I'm showing up in this world and like where I can be of service around that, but also like where I shouldn't speak, you know, where I should just listen or like uh, one of the things that is also helping me live my best life is like, I'm always like trying to solve problems, you know, and like fix things and especially when someone's like having a hard time like how do I show up for somebody when like I just don't know what to do and what to say and I was actually talking to David with this like a few months ago but like uh, just like being really humble in that moment and asking you know this person like what do you need right now especially like when they're really upset and like not thinking that I know and those types of things like really create a lot of room for the person who's experiencing pain to take a second and make decisions for themselves and maybe then they don't even know and having that be okay like all of those things to me have like created such an awesome platform for me to live my best life in moments of like real emotional conflict and challenge that like transcends not just my relationship but like at work you know or just like times with myself asking myself that question and stuff like that so like because of the pandemic and because of all the time that I've been spending with just like one person or just by myself like focusing a lot on that like internal stuff 
and the darker emotions and like what to do with that sort of thing and not run or like make judgments or like do like slight manipulative controlling things or use like my power and privilege as a man to like kind of move through some of that without even having to look at it. It's been challenging, but it has really like given me a very like open perspective to uh, what other people are going through. So, uh, you know, kind of a weird backdoor way to answer like living my best life, but that's definitely the thing that came up for me like when thinking about this. So, I mean, it's definitely, I'm always working through it. Sometimes it gets really annoying, but like I'm always like, I'm now like checking myself before I respond to anything around like, okay, like what can I, what can I do to create the conditions for this to not just be my thing, my narrative, what I'm gonna get out of this, you know? And that can be really scary, you know? That can be super scary to not know that answer and to feel okay and like, uh, I think that that, for me, creates a best life moving forward, just in any condition. You're looking for our best life now. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Love it. Yeah. So it's, made, it's created a lot of inner peace for me, uh, just in general, kind of like you were talking about, David, around like reflecting on past things that have bothered me or like things that I've done in other relationships where like I could have come correct or differently and realizing like that I'm working on something that will yield so much result just in general uh, has been like, has been cool and, and like feeling confident about that. Love that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yep. Uh -huh. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's, That's it. it. That's it. Pass the baton. <laughs> To me? Yeah. Damn. You, did, Amy, you don't have anything to add? Uh, <laughs> I don't think Amy should add to that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot There's a lot to respond to there. I think it's tight, though. I think it's super tight. You got a strong female lead in your life. You're, you're a secondary character, or you're trying to be. You think of yourself as the protagonist. We all do. But a lot of the times we're not. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of the time we're just character actors playing a bit part. And it's actually quite a relief once you discover that, you know, like when you humble yourself to the fact that, hey, man, I got one line here, you know, and I'm going to make the most of that one line. I'm going to just contribute to positive vibes. But beyond that, like, I can just lay in the cut and listen. It's tight. It's harder than it. It's, it's, it's yeah. It sounds it's extremely hard. It yeah. sounds really it's, easy when it's you, unbearable. Like, sometimes it's it's yeah. totally unbearable. You sometimes you're chomping at the bit to just really fucking, you know, slither your way into the center. You the know? last thing you want to hear is the news. Yeah. The news that you're fucked off. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The, oh the, yeah. The bill from the bill from the government. <laughs> You're yeah. dying. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is you your worst that, life. You yeah. get that letter from the, you know, the IRS, and it's just like, you're dying, you overstepped your bounds, and now you owe. Dave can't wait for that letter from the IRS. <laughs> Dave's actually in good standing with the IRS right now. For it's the, first the IRS time. that's living their worst life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the I'm IRS in, is not living I'm in confused right standing with the IRS, but it's, it's well, forward-oriented yeah. towards that's good. good. Forward-oriented. I, I saw a headline in the Washington Post that was just like, the IRS is refusing to hire new workers and they're completely fucked. Was there are the 35 million returns behind <laughs> processing. So and my 2019 that. is somewhere in there. Uh, and I've yet to even file 2020. And how much are you going to get? Um, well, a shitload of money. If it stands to reason that I will also get refunded the stimulus checks. And how much of that am I going to get? Because people didn't get their stimulus checks and, because their fucking tax return was not processed in time. And then oh, they yeah. got all of it all at once. Like I've talked to a few people. They're like, yeah, I got my tax return from 2019 and both the stimulus. So if that's the case, then I'll get... Um, this is dry. Seven grand. I'm done. Seven grand is dry to you? No, what would you do for I, seven I, grand I, right I, now? I spoke too soon. I mean, I would, I would absolutely debase myself <laughs> for seven grand. Right now. Oh, debase, <laughs> debase, debase. <laughs> Shout out the pixies. Debase, debase nectar. I'm dying. <laughs> uh, so no, D Dave's best life is certainly on the way. Yeah, seven grand is going to really make tight. his life the best it's ever been. It's really tight. I wish, I wish I had that coming down the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having an out of money experience. How do you live your best life without a money experience? I mean, the blueprint is like pretty uh pretty clear, you know. You just you live low to the ground, you rest on supportive friends, 
you try and make a little bit of money to get by and pay the bills. I mean, I'm in grad school right now and it's fully funded, but there's a long period during the summers when I don't have any stable income because I'm not teaching. Um, and also, like the scholarship, uh, you know, rollouts are intermittent and at the beginning of the semesters. So you know, you have to scrap a little bit during the during the summers. And I also made the well, some would call it a mistake. I don't regret a second of it of uh, driving across country with Dave and getting baptized in the hundred degree heat. But some would call it a mistake. Some would call it a mistake for sure. Some, some would call it a parents. Fi- <laughs> well, at least a fi- like uh, from a financial perspective, it wasn't the most prudent move for sure. But um, I mean, living my best life, I, I feel like in a lot of ways in Austin, I've I've figured out how to um, cultivate this like really amazing community and uh, find something that's sort of analogous to the the community that I had here. Um, and I think Dave can kind of testify to that a little bit after meeting some of my homies. Like I feel super lucky. And similar to what Seb was saying, a lot of them are women or non-binary folks. So it's not like the same type of fully broed out dynamic that us four have, which is, um, you know, like a, a nice, uh, variation, but also like similarly close and, um, frank and homied out, which is a beautiful deal. And I'm getting to spend more and more time with those people because of like what we discussed last episode about getting uh, getting the vaccine and you know social scenarios becoming more lax and so that's all been uh, a relief and a source of inspiration and I'm just surrounded by a lot of really interesting artists and creative people and people that are like jazzed on life but not in the way that people who are like social climbers are jazzed on life and their creative work but just like artists are jazzed on like doing the creative work and having the space to do so. Um, and like trying to make, you know, coming up against their limitations as closely as possible, you know, and like just pushing the threshold, which is just, yeah, really tight milieu to be a part of. Um, and then like, I don't know, I, I have been having a lot of I mean, I don't know how much I really want to, like, get into this in detail on a fucking podcast, but, like, Dave and I had some conversations during the road trip about my romantic life and my relationship to intimacy and, you know, my tendency to have lots of noncommittal lovelies in various states and uh, and how, you know, oftentimes, like, and this is sort of Dave's insight, but... Oftentimes, uh, you know, I'm able to sort of like cognitively map a situation out, consider it from a number of different angles, but I am often not coming at relationships from a place of emotional, non-cognitive intensity or affect. Open up. <laughs> time to and open I up. Have, uh, it's time to open up. And it's, this pop is, it open, please. I think something like... Pop the tap. I mean, what you were saying, Hey, Seb, go to the trunk on this and pop so the So you shirt. guys were really in alignment. Seb and I were really in alignment when he was talking about, uh, you know, finding that, that space of feeling that's non-intellectual um, and letting that... Underthink, overfeel. Yeah. I mean, Dave is the classic underthinker, overfeeler, but also then overthinking and then overfeeling. And then then overshooting the mark. And then overshooting the mark. And then playing it before it lays. And then really taking a big swing at it once he decides to play it. But but his best life is coming. (laughs) That's exactly right. So, I mean, you know, there, there's been a realization that's trickling in slowly that, like, maybe I could... <laughs> Maybe I could live a little more like Dave. You know what I mean? Wow. Fuck wow. yeah, dog. <laughs> Good luck. I mean, I don't... I can't handle it, I don't think. Not fully. I can handle it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, can you? Uh, now he's talking a big game. Yeah, yeah. Ben Handlin. <laughs> yeah, dog. All right. Like, settle down over there. <laughs> you barely handle it. You're right on the precipice of not but handling man, it. But, man, is it an exciting ride. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> really, uh, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I I kind of there's uh there's somebody that I have the opportunity to sort of do that with maybe in the not too distant future. 
Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to, I don't want to get too much into that. That's, but that's like an insight that I've come to that if I'm going to live my best life now, I'm probably going to have to like crack it open a little bit. Shoot your shots. And then, you know, from a career standpoint and shit, I'm kind of in a holding pattern right now. You it's use like the word finish. precarity and precarious uh, to describe your financial and career future the <laughs> yeah. entire time we were on the road. He was like, I mean, it's precarious. Yeah. I it's mean, a constant state of precarity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys have made, uh, like, I think very prudent and intelligent career decisions in the last couple of years, whereas I have made unprudent but passion-motivated Unintelligible, and unintelligible career decisions. Although, is I, it like the log roll in the water where you gotta like keep spinning the log and not fly <laughs> off the log? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, they exactly. still do that too. What's that? They still do the the log run. Oh, they still do that. Yeah, them. Who is they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's out there doing it on the Sorry. Columbia on the Columbia River or they're the Mississippi or they're living in. Precarious. Who are they? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, they are like you know the vast majority of people that live in in America and in in the world. Here we Ship go. It. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's dry. I you know I decided to go to grad school for art, which really was the only next indicated step for me. And but and. A lot of the reason I did that was because I wanted to teach, but obviously teaching and being in academia is really uh, competitive and challenging, and I am teaching, and I really enjoy it, and I feel like I'm getting better at it and have a natural propensity for it, but at the same time, like, who knows what kinds of job opportunities in the future that is going to beget. Would that be so, your best life to teach? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, I mean, if you're an artist, like the the way to have a, a stable career is to get a job in academia. That's not like adjunct. But that's not the question that was yeah. asked. The question wasn't. The well, question was directed at you, not if you you're, if I oh, speak from the heart. Oh, so speak from the heart, like from the heart. like David. Open us up. Open yourself up and let What's us What's AB's best life looking like? I mean, my best life would be like having like a, uh, like a full-time faculty position at a school that, you know, is, you know, has a good group of undergrads that are like jazzed up on art and then also doing my work alongside that. And, and what about romantically, your best life? Romantically, I got to, you know, I got to crack it open a little bit and I got to... Uh, you know, Dave and I talked about this. It's like I, I'm not entirely sure where I'm at when it comes to, like, you know, monogamous committed relationships. And I certainly wouldn't identify as fucking poly because I hate that whole culture. Um, and it's so mm -hmm. dying to me. Yeah, it's um, fucked off. It's fucked off. And, uh, it's a brutal life now. It's a really brutal life now and then and tomorrow. So, uh, you know, th those are, those are some things that I'm going to have to figure out through like trial and error. Uh, and you know, I, so I, I can't give pulling like a up super at the, concrete at the three point line and shooting. I got to do. Yeah. I mean, I got to pull up from 40 for the shorties, you know, just a just inside blue line snip clap, a just incredible shot. Yeah. Just, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to miss, I got to stop being scared of missing with the pulling up from 40 with the sure, shorties. You sure, know what yeah. I mean? Like I, uh, you know, I can, I can set, I have, I have the lovelies, you know, I've got lots of lovelies, but you what know, that, that dries time? out it's a little so bit. Dude, <laughs> it's so diet. So when brutal. did you come up with, I, started, I have the lovelies. I've got I, all my best lovelies now. I've, I don't know. He, he, so got, he got a little bit small about it when I brought I it up know. in front of Caroline. He was like, I mean, now that you say it, like, it's kind of brutal, you know? <laughs> well, I. I, I think Dave and I were saying a lot of things while we were getting baptized in the desert when we were f totally fucking sleep deprived and staying in like nightmarish motels that we wouldn't normally say, you know, and that was one of the words that came out of that particular headspace that I've now decided to continue using regrettably, but um Anyways, <laughs> I, <laughs> but uh, just but, love it. Love the oh, lovely. Okay, oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, love the lovely. All right, all right. That's all right. what we're. That's the whole thing right, we're right, talking right, right. about. They, I, you know, I love the lovelies too. You know, but I also have a. I've had. I've had. There's been a trend in my life in the last 
year since my last relationship ended where the lovelies that I find all live in different states. Well, I also you know? think something that was notable when we had that just absolutely dying ass experience at the Marigold Hotel and then finally settled into a, a place in Pendleton and had dinner. In Pemberton. You, in Pemberton, Oregon, <laughs> where you said something along the lines of, you know, man, like I had the committed relationship, like I tried that and that didn't really work. So um, that I keep coming back to in my head of like, yeah, you and tried I, an experience. Yeah, I tried. Well, I also don't think that what I meant was that the, that, that was a, a perfect embodiment of what every situation like that and committed relationship would look like. Well, you there's know, also I'm not, no perfect I'm not extrapolate. Yeah, yeah, of course. But that one was Open up. Perfect. Open up. The, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to... Open up. Baby. Come on. Look, he's baby. fucking squaring Come with on. those little feet. Dude, you know my toes are always <laughs> fucking What I want you to around. do is I want you to shut that brain down and open that heart up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that right now for the best? <laughs> That's always for the I, best. You know, I, I am all open up, but I'm not going to just like get into fucking explicit detail and name names and shit on yeah, the Yeah, but I want you to Sorry. shut it's that brain down. extremely R-rated. I want you to shut that brain down. It's not R-rated. It's just... Rip that rib cage back. Break those bones back. Open up. Let me Dude, in. my rib cage is strong, dog. Yours, it's easy for you. All you got to do is just pluck them out. You open know? up. They're like little fucking... Open up. They're li- like little wishbones. Open up. But I got some big honkers. Shut there, it down. You know? Open up. I got Thorbod. It's not easy to rip Shut the rib it down. Cage out. Open up. <laughs> Shut it down. Open up. He can't. Yeah, I'm he's, he's, he's talking in circles. He's talking in a circle, but I want him to open up. Dog, I believe I'll, I'm going to find something. All right. <laughs> it's going to work for me. All right. I got to believe. I'm at a state, I've had moments where I've been at the precipice of not believing in the last year. Let me tell you, baby. I've never stopped I've believing. I've been standing right at the promontory on the edge looking at the maelstrom from that Edgar Allan Poe. Precarity. Precarity. I've never stopped Just believing. Just looking at the keyhole, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm Now I'm in my room. Relational. I'm, I'm back in the room. Keyhole relationship. In my little room. I'm relational in a room. <laughs> yeah. And I'm fucking, I wasn't believing. But now I am. <laughs> all right. I'm back. There all right. I hit the white sands. There I it is. fucking got naked in the desert there and just ran through the dunes because I felt is. like it. Open up. Because I, I didn't think about like it. it. Keep it going. I wanted to feel oh the breeze on my cock. Keep it going. Know? Open and up. on my ass. Oh my God. Open up. The whole deal. I open up. You know? Shut it down and, and open I fucking, up. It was liberating. Keep it open. You know what I mean? Keep it open. Sun beating down on me. There was fucking thunder and lightning storms going on all around us panoramically. Keep it open. I was in just, uh, I was bounding through otherworldly vistas. Keep it open. Butt naked. Shut it down, open it up. Pallet as a fucking marble statue. Just keep it open. <laughs> and I just. Damn, that man, was I, so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was wet. That was the best life. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I feel like I'm. And now that I got my boys around me and I'm, I'm replenished, God, I'm spiritually. I'm getting spiritually replenished with my boys. Uh-huh. Just seeing Seb wag his tongue this morning and crouch around and move his fucking zooted fingers. I mean, God, dog, just so tight for me. I mean, so, you know, living my best life right now in the present.